Welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. Hello, listeners. We're finishing up season three, and my sound editor, Chris, and I will be taking a short holiday break. We have today's episode, and then we'll do one more where we'll do a season wrap-up and a preview of 2022 and what we'll be up to next year. Uh, The break will be short. We'll be back with a new episode to start off season four on January 11th, and this will give me a chance to catch my breath and not have a Tuesday deadline breathing down my neck each week. Uh, It was always my plan to run seasons, 40 or so episodes, and then take short hiatus. Uh, The break between season one and season two was long, if you remember. Many months, it took us like three or four months to build a new platform and to move Basecamp for Men over to an independent platform. Uh, I never actually took a break between season two and season three. We simply announced a new season and just kept on going. So this upcoming break is more what I had in mind, just a few weeks to sort of breathe, catch my breath, spend time with my family. I'm very much looking forward to season four and what we will be covering. Uh, And this week's episode is one of my favorites of the entire season, the entire year, actually. My guest today is not only holding space for all of our views, he is helping to create the more pro-humanity narrative that we are all instinctively looking for, whether we realize it or not. Enjoy the episode. Christian Elliott is a husband, father of five, a certified personal trainer, health coach, and nutrition expert. He has a Master's of Divinity and since 2003 has logged over 15,000 hours of one-on-one coaching. He and his wife Nina run True Whole Human, a high-touch personal coaching practice where they help clients radically transform their health and keep it that way. Here is my interview with Christian Elliott. Hey, I am here with Christian Elliott. Health coach, writer, thought leader, Christian Elliott. Christian, welcome to Basecamp for Men. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Absolutely. You know, I I first came across your work in an excellent article you wrote um, titled 18 Reasons Why I Won't Be Getting a COVID Vaccine. And I found it on the internet, or somebody may have sent it to me, and I looked it over and one of the reasons I, I reached out, there's a lot of stuff out there of why people aren't getting the vaccine, but what jumped out at me was you're a really excellent writer, but beyond that, I loved how you started the article and the whole tone of the article is about sort of bridging the gap between the two sides. So you have this side that's, that's um, you know, is, is vaccinated and believes everybody should get the vaccine and that, you know, uh, that's the way forward. And then you have another side that's very resistant and um, uh, maybe more uh, libertarian or more uh, concerned about their freedoms, uh, both bodily and in the country. And mm-hmm. neither side really sees eye to eye and there's a lot of name calling. And I just loved how your, you, in the article, you were really truthful about your take on it, but we're very, very sort of conscious and sensitive to look, I, I don't want to keep dividing. I don't want this to be a wedge. How do we, how do we bridge this? And one of the ways you did it is by mentioning uh, uh, things that we can all agree on, which I don't see that very often. So um, nice job on the writing. And, and just, I guess, to start off with, what are, what are things that both sides would say, yes, yes, that's important to me, or I would agree with that? 
Yeah, there's probably more than the couple that I mentioned in the article. But the yeah. um, the first thing that came to mind is we're all pretty over this COVID thing. We would like yeah. <laughs> this just just go away to not be a daily conversation, a weekly. Every time you turn on the news, you get updates about it. We would just like to have a life that doesn't have to talk about this. Absolutely. And the second thing I think is that we all would really appreciate a return of freedom. We would yep. all like to be able to just speak our mind to be able to go out to eat and to, to live a life that doesn't feel like somebody's looking over our shoulder or judging us. And we would just like to have that sense of autonomy back to have some agency over our lives. I think whatever, wherever you come down on this issue of the vaccine or just COVID in general, those are two things that we could all say, you know, that does sound pretty amazing to get that back right now. Absolutely. And I think both sides are trying for that in their in, in different ways. So you mentioned in the article, like one side sees compliance as the way back to this, what you're talking about, freedom and being done with COVID. And the mm-hmm. other side sees resistance mm-hmm. uh, as the only way to, to, to retain our freedom and retain our sovereignty. And, you know, you mentioned like, look, neither side is really going to change Um and I agree with that. I think people are changing sides. In other words, like I know people who got the first two vaccines, but they're not insistent that everybody gets it. It's they're mm-hmm. clear. They're they're clear that no, this is really a choice, and I'm okay with people not choosing it. And mm-hmm. some people now that they're introducing a booster shot, a third, a fourth, whatever. There, there's plenty that did the first two that are like, no, I thought we'd be back to normal, and now they're rolling out more. I'm not mm-hmm. down with this. So, but there's you, to your point. There's I think there's always going to be numbers in both camps, both the compliance camp and the resistance camp. How do we? How do we? walk the dog? How do we get back to having our freedoms and our liberties and our choices and our health uh, with both sides? Like what's, what's the way to sort of uh, integrate both sides in this? Yeah, there's, it's, a, it's not an easy answer to it, but I think if we both can start with the recognition that we do not want to live in a highly segregated society, we don't enjoy the tension out in public or the feeling of judgment from the other side. Yeah. to recognize that we're all still human, that we all have, you get down to it, we all want the same basic things of love and adventure and significance and romance and dignity and autonomy and so on and so forth. Mm. And when we realize we have so much more in common than what it is being used to try to intentionally divide us, when we get back to that, and then we can, in fairness and in an effort to genuinely seek understanding, take the posture of asking thoughtful questions and of letting somebody else hit you with a question or a train of thought or the opportunity to present a logical case for what you think. And in the effort to present the ideas of what you think, to hear those outside your own head and outside of the echo chamber of your own thinking and to say, okay, I may or may not have thought of that and may not like that question, but mm-hmm. at least that was fair. It was done with respect. And you know what? I don't feel threatened. I feel like I learned something. Mm-hmm. And I, I, the short version of the answer to that is I think the better we get at asking each other questions rather than just making statements, Yeah, we're not going to change each other's minds much with facts. But when we have the respect to say, hey, have you thought about this? Or what? How, help me understand your perspective on that. Or what would you do in this situation? Have you ever wondered, or does it make sense to you? And you don't do it to poke the bear and see if you can get a rise, yeah. but you do it to say, 
they they have their opinion for a reason. Yep. And maybe there's something I could learn about this and I could upgrade my own thinking. And that typically is the only way I know to to start bridging these divides between us. And if you recognize we're all human to start with, it, it goes a long way. That has the potential to go along. Absolutely. I love what you're saying. There are a bunch of things um, because I think the tendency I know in myself and I see this in others is don't talk about it with the other side because it Mm. ends up being a poking of the bear. It can be. um, And uh, so we don't end up, you know, I think we make assumptions about what the other side thinks. I don't, I don't think the other side's stupid. You know, even though I've been guilty of saying sheeple and blind sheep and how can you be so naive? Why do you trust Fauci so much? I mean, I've said these things, Mm -hmm. um, but I recognize uh, partially from your article, like, look, maybe maybe the deal I have to make with myself, stop making these derogatory labels, Mm -hmm. um, even when even when I'm talking to my wife, like, stop, stop you know, sort of talking down to the other side, it's not helping. And I don't like being labeled as a crazy conspiracy theorist or any, like, mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, whatever you want to call me, I'm fine, but it's, I don't like it. I don't like mm-hmm. being, you know, circled in a silo and says, well, they're getting, he's getting his information elsewhere. And also the other thing you said that was interesting is that you're not going to convince people on facts. I think this is a really good point that people forget, I think, Mm -hmm. because it's almost like if they could just see the data set I have about Mm -hmm. the vaccines or about the masks or about COVID, if they saw my data set, they would completely think the way I do. Well, they're probably thinking the same thing. If he saw my data set, uh, uh, and my facts, quote unquote, then mm-hmm. he wouldn't think that way. And I think that's a really excellent point that we're arguing about, uh, bullet points that are not, it's not really the higher ground. The higher ground is to your point. Um, can you listen? Um, why, you know, for me, I still don't want to, it's, it's uncomfortable to be in conversations where, um, it feels very charged and that I'm going to upset them, or maybe I'm afraid of me getting upset and saying something that I would regret. Um, but, uh, how, you know, just your coaching to lean in and ask questions, uh, is excellent. I think it could lead to, uh, uh, uh more, uh, seeing eye to eye on this, on these issues that are very, very much divisive and we're all avoiding them. We're in the holidays and nobody wants to bring it up at the holidays. Cause I'm, I don't want to talk about that. That's going to, mm-hmm. that's going to upset mom or whatever the case may be. Right. Yeah. And, and there's so many different things I could talk about from what you just said. Mm-hmm. The idea of labeling people, the reason it rubs us so much is some of it is it, it because it's either a shot at our, our personal intellect or our dignity yeah. or how much we care about being a good citizen or a good parent. And when we can set aside that and be like, wait a minute, this isn't about that. They want to be a good citizen, a good family member, et cetera. And none of us like being painted into a corner where we can't get out of it. I, I have this, you know, love hate relationship with personality tests because I, I always like probably a lot of people think, Oh, like, that doesn't quite fit me. And there's a little bit here that fits me. And there's some, but when you realize that humans are meaning making machines, we, we are constantly scanning our environment with the question, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What does it mean that, this person just cut me off in traffic. What does it mean that um, my boyfriend, girlfriend just said this thing to me? And we're trying to fill in gaps in our understanding. And to your point, we make assumptions about what we see in the world. We don't always have a way to verify or check those assumptions. And so an easy way to just 
latch on to some level of meaning or to some way of characterizing what we're seeing so it doesn't feel amorphous and threatening is to just label it. To call this person an anti-vaxxer or a conspiracy theorist, it's almost like we can go, okay, phew, I don't have to think as hard anymore because they're weird. Right. Or this, and the same thing goes the other way to go, yep. these blind sheep COVIDian cult members who can't see the blindly obvious unraveling of our the fabric of our society yeah, they're not going to appreciate that any more than I. Like, I had some thoughtful questions here, and the best you can do is just label me as an anti-vaxer, as if that label made all of the questions I asked irrelevant, and you don't have to address any of them. So, right. to know that that goes both ways can be a big help when it comes to saying, "Wait, I, if I don't like it, they don't like it either." So maybe it's better to say. And to your point about the the tension that builds up around holiday parties or about whatever it is mm -hmm. that is uncomfortable to deal with, um, where we just or feel like we're on eggshells, like this sour stomach, or you're like, oh my gosh, that topic again. Mm -hmm. If we can allow someone to bring it up and, or heck, even bring it up ourselves and to do it when they say something with this, a genuine, it has to be genuine. If it's not, forget it, you're already going to lose. But if it, there's yeah. a genuine sentiment that says, Interesting. How okay? I'm, now I'm. I'm. You, your eyes almost light up, and you think, "Oh, thank you for saying that." I'm actually fascinated to hear more of of how you came to that conclusion. I'd love to know what about this makes sense to you because I've I've I wrestle with some of these questions too, and I don't know how to answer all of them. Mm. And to let them have the opportunity, like, where do we get that in society where somebody's like they sit down and they just they're fascinated by what goes through your head? It doesn't happen. And when somebody does that. It's, it feels safer to, oh, okay, you actually want to know and you're curious and you're not just here to figure out how you can paint me into a corner and laugh at me, but you're here to, you actually expressed a genuine interest to understand my thinking. And usually it can go both ways, but in the effort to explain the positions we have, we inevitably trip over the log jams, the speed bumps in our own thinking that are, oh, I hadn't really thought of that yet. And when we recognize, oh, I, this is the part that I don't know. And somebody with tact can insert a genuine question in there. It's that that's where we have the dialogue that can actually be fruitful. And it may be weeks or months later before that open loop of that question finally lands. And they're like, you know what? He's right. Mm -hmm. I never, now that I think about it, there isn't a better answer for that. Or it does really look shady that, for example, pharma wants to have until 2076 to that. finally release all the data they <laughs> used to decide this is a safe product. Like all the people that did it will be dead and yeah, all the yeah. liability will be too bad. Like, that does kind of look fishy. Like to it be does. able to genuinely insert something like that into it as a, as a thoughtful, non-offensive question. Yeah. Um, goes so far in building a sense of like, Hey, we're not at each other. So we're not enemies here. And yet we can, we can agree that we all want freedom to come back. So what would that look like? What would have to happen for us to get there? So yeah, you're, you're asking good questions and the labeling thing just does not help. That's excellent. Um, you know, I, I'm starting as I'm listening to you, I'm realizing that I can really set aside this egoic notion you know, that I kind of know the angles right now, like, mm -hmm. and just really be in a space of not knowing, be, be mm -hmm. a big, have a beginner's mind. Um, and, and, you know, also it just, when I'm in that kind of, oh, those sheeple or, you know, whatever, whatever I'm saying, you know, oh, look at all the people in the mass at the store, these people. Mm -hmm. 
it doesn't really feel good to me. I'm a pro-humanity. I love people. And it mm-hmm. goes against my natural affinity for, for people when I'm in judgment and saying, oh, they just don't see it the right way. It, it just, mm-hmm. it does, it puts me in kind of a superior spot. Um, and there's a touch of arrogance. So I can really see how there's space for me to step back into humanity with a little more skill and, mm-hmm. and, and start asking questions. I know where I stand on a lot of these things and, and it's my truth, but I don't need to, I don't need to get a bullhorn out and start hitting everybody over the head with the way I see it. Mm-hmm. it that's not going to be very skilled to your point. Um, it's more skilled to be in with everybody asking questions that may help people sort of go, huh, I never, you know, I, I think there's more of a reciprocal openness when we can bring that into conversations. So it's great coaching. Well, thank uh, you. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a fun way. Humility goes a long way. And the, the scripture that says, judge not lest you be judged. You know, so much of the intent of that is you have not lived that person's life. You don't know the influences and the backstory and the things that have brought them to the conclusions they have and to force your opinion or your perspective on a person in a moment and to think they're stupid for not embracing it just shows a level of harshness and judgment that to your point, yeah, that's that's not a loving, humble way to approach anything. And when we take humility and deference and genuine affection for people and put that as a centerpiece, it goes so much better. Well, and and also the people that I know that are on, you know, that are left of the divide, let's say, um, I have a tremendous amount of respect for their intelligence. They're not seeing this mm-hmm. real well, but that doesn't mean, I mean, I'm some of the smartest people I know are over there. I mm-hmm. mean, they're just really smart people. They're really successful. They, you know, all these different things. And here's this something that I see differently, but it doesn't, I, I don't, I guess maybe I've been a little dishonest about, you know, I'm, I'm smearing them with a label and, mm-hmm. and then, and it's impacting me and them. And I'm not seeing that I could get more skilled. I'm putting everything over there, which is kind of mm-hmm. being a victim where I'm saying, okay, wh- when are they going to change? It's like, well, the answer is that's not the key to it all. I right. think if I can follow your lead in this, um, what might happen? I don't know, but something new new conversations and new, you know, maybe some of these friendships that have gone to the wayside, maybe those are not gone forever, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, you know, you mentioned in the article that, you, that the, you just flat out say, you know, the, the vaccines have been a massive failure and mm-hmm. that's probably something that some people would argue, no, that they haven't been. Um, the stuff I see that, and, and then I'll ask you is, you know, I've seen that it's been, you know, there's been more vaccine injuries from this one than all of the others in the past 30 years combined, I want to say, is what mm-hmm. I saw. Um, and then the other thing that I saw about it is you're seeing like, you're seeing world-class athletes. I'm seeing videos of like English premier soccer players collapsing. These are men that are in the prime of their life. We're talking men in their 20s, uh, and they're collapsing from something, myocarditis, something's going on. So I think you're starting to see, um, some alarming things coming out of that. But, uh, what, in what way has it been a massive failure in your your eyes? Just that it doesn't prevent COVID spread, I guess would be one thing, right? Oh, it's so many ways that in my mind, it has been just everything uh, about it is a failure. So mm-hmm. the the fact that it does not stop transmission or infection, which is historically what we've believed these vaccines do for everything else we vaccinate for, yep. these in the own published 
studies that says in their data gaps, we don't have any evidence that this stops transmission or infection, yeah. which was recently backed up by the CDC changing the definition of a vaccine. Mm-hmm. So these products could somehow still fit under that umbrella. But to me, what the most glaring example, besides the deaths that you've mentioned and all the adverse events that are that didn't take someone's life, but have created some sort of permanent or at least temporary um, disability, the the biggest evidence of their failure is how the, the most vaccinated states and countries are the ones with the biggest surge in COVID cases right now. Yep. Well, if that's not evidence that the thing doesn't work, then maybe we could look at the fact that, well, we got two shots that didn't work. So we know the third isn't in Israel. The data is that they're the furthest ahead of the curve. They've got the most aggressive vaccination campaign in the world. Yep. And they're on their third shot planning for their fourth because the third's not working either. I, I, Einstein supposedly gets credit for the definition of insanity as repeating the same thing over and over again. If that's not the definition of it, I don't know what is. And then today I just read that they're planning to shrink the window, at least in the UK, from six months to get your booster to now three months. And maybe that will get ahead of it. And at some point we have to shake our head and say, what in the world? These things are not working. Mm-hmm. And never mind, they were not designed to do anything except reduce your symptoms. Well, there's plenty of things I could do to reduce my symptoms when I don't feel well. Right. So why in the world do I need to take a toxic, risky product that is being force-fed on me that just smells, without liability, by the way, exactly. that smells really funny. So there's there's so many things you could line up that make it obvious that they're not working. And you just, in, from my perspective, and those of you who think these things work, help me out with it. I, I don't see why in the world we would continue to use a strategy that's failing that badly and cling to it just because that's the one we got. Right, right, exactly. Well, and then, you know, people forget, I think, too, survival rates are are huge. Like this whole thing to push vaccines on ch- on children Mm-hmm. Survival rates of zero to 19, 99.9973. That's a lot of nines lined up for the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, if you move up to mom and dad in their 30s and 40s, you're still at 99.969. And for the 40s, 99.918. Even going up over 70, right? There's a lot of, well, you got to do it for grandma and grandpa's sake, right? You got to do mm-hmm. it. You know, everybody's got to be on board because, you know, grandpa might might pass away from this. Uh, for non-institutionalized elders over 90, it's got a 97.6% survival mm-hmm. rate. That's huge. And for both institutionalized and non-institutionalized um, citizens over 70, 94.5%. So you really are seeing who's, who's the deaths are happening uh, for people largely with comorbidities. That's always been the case. People mm-hmm. over 70, you know, my uncle, got he died of COVID, but guess what? He was a heart transplant uh, recipient 15 years prior. He lived a sedentary lifestyle. He was overweight and he had pneumonia. Well, he ended up getting COVID, got in the hospital. They put him on a respirator. He passed away. I think he was 80 years old. And guess what? It wasn't any of those other things that got him. It was COVID. And so I think the way that, uh, you know, they categorize it. And and I just think, you know, these numbers speak, of, they look a lot like the flu, which is, I mm-hmm. think, a good way to see it. Um, and to me, it's still amazing to me that there's so many people, not to get labels again, but just that 
there hasn't been kind of an adjustment of just saying, look, this is a lot like the seasonal flu. Maybe we could treat it that way. I don't necessarily have to get a whole bunch of flu shots. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't know. I just wanted to put out the survival numbers. I still think that uh, it's good to remind people that the survival rates from COVID are very, very, very high. And because I see a lot of stuff in the media saying, oh my God, here we go again. The hospitals are overrun, but there's, it's just not, it's not truthful at all, but people are believing it. Like it's the truth. I don't know what your take is on that, but yeah, there's several aspects of the numbers that are, it, it sounds harsh to say, just if, if this is new to you, that they're so violently manipulated for one purpose and that's to scare you. That sounds like I'm I'm fear mongering. And some of the things that I may have said, or will say later in this show, like if you had told me this two years ago, I would have said, okay, you're crazy. It can't be that bad. That just doesn't, it seems like science fiction or out there. But when it comes to the fact that they have so grossly manipulated the numbers to, to manufacture out of thin air, the perception that these things are deadly, the numbers don't back it up. John Ioannidis, the one of the most respected epidemiologists on the planet, crunched the numbers globally. And the numbers you just read and the unconscionable push to get these injectables, I won't even give them the dignity of the label vaccine, to give these injectables into children, there you put them at more risk than you do from the disease. Why yeah. in the world would we give them an all-risk, no-benefit shot? There's no risk to children. And another layer to look at those numbers is to recognize those are the numbers where early treatment isn't standard of care. So even the elderly have a much higher chance of survival if we would just treat them rather than take them into the hospital. You give them a test. You say, oh, yeah, looks like you're sick. Send them home until they get blue in the face and let them come back. And then you put them on remdesivir, which gives you kidney failure, and then put them on a ventilator. Mm -hmm. That's malpractice. That's why the numbers in that group are higher, and many of them could have been saved. So the numbers would be even more dramatically in favor of the immune system's got this. Like, but this is yeah. not a big deal. Um, and then you realize how much, like, I think flu went down like 99% last year. That's because yeah. we relabeled everything. From my perspective, help me see it differently. We relabeled everything. COVID, you get COVID flu, COVID pneumonia, COVID exactly. flat tire, like everything is a COVID <laughs> problem. And no, not really, but that's that's how we keep the numbers high and the scarce, the, 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 the fear going, which is what continues to drive the narrative. If you look at the um, surveys, a large percentage of people still think your chances are 50-50, you're going to die if you get this. It's simply not true. Right, right. I mean, I don't know about you. We we ended up getting Delta and, uh, you know, we treated it with uh, with uh, ivermectin, vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc. We had a whole protocol that we learned mm-hmm. um, from some health doctors, some naturopathic doctors, and we just hit that hard, stayed home, kind of mm-hmm. common sense, old fashioned. I have a touch of the flu. I don't want to get anybody else sick mm-hmm. and and then treated it with those natural things and just rest and liquids and, and then it passed. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, that's getting lost. Lost. It's almost like, you know, did you test? Did you test again? It's like, you know, I'm just, we just chose to just stay home, get better, mm-hmm. take the protocol, rest, make sure we were feeling 100%. Mm-hmm. But I don't hear people really talking that way. You know, it's always something, you know, something else. But, um, you know, I think they've suppressed the, the ivermectin as a successful treatment. I think that's been successfully used for lots of 
different antiviral, antiparasite, and been used specifically for COVID in other nations to great effect. But mm-hmm. of course, big pharma can't have that as a big story floating around because everybody's going to be like, well, maybe I don't need these vaccines. Maybe I can just treat it naturally if I get it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, it, if you start looking at data and you like if you read through my 18 reasons article and 17 reasons or COVID yeah. wizards and and you look at the massive data, you have to start saying, OK, there, that what had the volume of or breadth of things I have had to study, because, it's, you know, backing up to earlier in our conversation where you're making the point that it's not that stupid people think one way and smart people think another. It's, mm-hmm. it's intelligent people coming to different conclusions. And part of what drives our, our conclusions is the history that we've had. And if we're looking at COVID and we're trying to make sense of this, you, so people in finance have come to see, oh, something fishy is going on. People in media, mm-hmm. something fishy is going on. People in pick an education or, or legal, um, if you're a lawyer, like there's so many things right now that just don't make sense. And so we're all coming to this basic, like something's off here and yeah. there has to be something driving it from behind. And, and where it, as you start peeling the layers of this onion, it, it gets uncomfortable because it's, if you've had uh, this trust and authority, or if you've had this um, perspective that people are generally good and evil wouldn't, it doesn't exist or wouldn't do this kind of thing, or there's no, like, why would someone do that? How, how could they possibly pull it off? And it just seems so anathema mm-hmm. to your view of the world. It's emotionally and intellectually very unmooring to entertain thoughts that something bigger behind this could be trying to come in and leverage a, a human fear of death in this case, or fear of a virus. Yep. And to try to sway large governments and to think there might be some puppeteering behind the scenes, it's just, it's easier to say, you know what, let's order pizza. Like I, right. I don't want to, I don't want to entertain that. And, but if, if you're willing to look behind it and say, why would they manipulate the numbers? Okay, well, there's an answer to that. And you just start peeling the layers of this onion and you start to find, oh boy, okay, now you at least know what you're up against. And the more you're able to understand who's behind it and what they're doing or what the, the happy accident of so many different um, large interests realizing they can leverage each other's work, Mm-hmm. Um, it starts to become clearer and clearer what we're actually fighting. And I don't take it lightly to walk anyone through that process of asking questions that start to lead to bigger and bigger things. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I go a hundred different directions with that one. No, me, no, that's part I, of it. I, I'm glad you brought it up. You know, we, we've mentioned it tangentially on the show uh, with some of my other guests, this, the transhumanists, you, you, you see some of that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a few years back, somebody mentioned, oh, have you, have you read any of Ray Kurzweil's work on transhumanism? He works, he's the, one of the lead engineers of AI at Google. So I started mm-hmm. digging around in the rabbit, oh, who's this guy? What are they doing? Um, and you know, my, my father asked me when he was back, what do you, what is all this leading to? You know what mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's been tracking it. He's like, you know, we do some, some episodes I'm talking about the globalist agenda, or I'm talking about the deep state or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and I, I looked at him, I said, you know, it could be, there could be a transhumanist agenda. We're seeing a lot of evidence 
that is alarming. You had predictive programming with all these Hollywood films like iRobot and Term. I mean, there's a lot out there to sort of plant in human consciousness the idea Mm -hmm. that we would be either battling machines or intersecting or interfacing with machines and that this is either going to be really great or really uh, nightmarish depending on your perspective. Um, And, you know, I think that stuff like the like Ray Kurzweil uh and then I I just think that uh the stuff that we're seeing right now with the metaverse that's Mm -hmm. really hitting big you know uh uh, Facebook is rebranding in an AI metaverse where we're all supposed to be happy about spending our time in this digital world so everything's kind of getting accelerated here come these quote-unquote vaccines that haven't been clinically tried um, there's rumors that there's graphene oxide. You know, they 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 they've been big pharma's been keeping their cards close to their chest about what's in them. What's mRNA? The mRNA uh, creator and inventor said it's not a vaccine. I'm just telling you right now that's not what mm-hmm. they're supposed to be used for. So it starts to paint this kind of picture of like what's going on. Could this? Could these vaccines carry something? And I've seen I've seen some wild stuff, and I don't. I don't know how true it is. Um, I'm just noticing what I'm noticing. You Sometimes you'll see a scientist, a citizen journalist scientist that rolls up and says, okay, I've got the vaccine. I'm putting it under a microscope. What the hell is this? As mm-hmm. we magnify it, I saw one video that said, oh, there's these weird hydra that are moving around. Uh, they seem to be organi- self-organizing. That's weird. That's not a normal vaccine. And I saw one that had some sort of interlocking, almost looked like uh, uh, it was inorganic, almost like a chain link, graphene oxide. Uh, and so, you know, I see that and I'm like, okay, you know, crazy. But at the same time, um, I, I guess I've studied enough about globalists and the deep state and people that are that have these kind of interlocking relationships at the highest levels of power. And I'm like, I know that there's a, a there's a heavy dose of, of of sociopaths that run it, and so they don't have any they don't have any feeling for humanity. They don't have any feeling for God or the divine. Um, and I wouldn't put it past them. And so it sounds crazy and you can't just blurt it out. It's transhumanism, but you can't help but notice some of these things that are arriving on your radar as you look in directions like what's going on, or you just happen to click on a video on, on a social media channel and go, what, what are they talking about here? And then you go, Oh shit, look at that. So Mm -hmm. I I guess I wanted to get your thoughts. That's, that's pretty edgy, but Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, you and I talked a little before this, and I know that you had some, some thoughts on the transhumanist thing. Is it, is it going on? Could it be going on? I guess is a question. Yeah, it absolutely could be. And I, I think is, and I, it's, this is the part where you're like, this is, it sounds so fantastically yes. like science fiction, like how, like minority report and matrix and yeah. pick your movie. It's just like, no way that like, but what gives me pause is the, the stated agenda. This is not a conspiracy theory. Right. This is an open conspiracy. If you look at the world health or the world economic forums vision for the next decade, this is front and center. It, it, and then if you go look at the patent record and you click on the link and you just scroll and read and scroll and you're like, holy cow. Yeah. They've already patented the ability to inject or to, they've even made vaccines that are spread like diseases. Like there's skin penetrating 
self-assembling aerosolized nanoparticles. Mm. Okay, I'm saying, okay, so President Trump signed an executive order that included the words self-assembling nanoparticles. Mm. I don't even know if he knows what that is, but that just the fact that we would use those phrases that we could aerosolize, there was a DARPA contract proposal mm. to, for, to get the Department of Defense to pay for skin penetrating aerosolized nanoparticle technology in a vaccine. Are you kidding? Like, so it's not that we're just making up stuff because we like to think of the next cool science fiction movie. No, they've already made this stuff. They've already patented this stuff. And it wouldn't be such a stretch to think they might have slipped this in there. They have no liability. They're trying to not reveal what's in these injectables until 2076. And to realize that some people are finding some fairly concerning things in a microscope, Maybe they're making it up, but what if they're not? Is it a better bet to go, oh, it's probably nothing? Right. Or to say, hmm. have you seen this patent? Have you seen this presentation by Peter Daszak? Have you seen this science that was done by Ralph Barrick where they manipulate this, that, and the other in the lab? It's all out there. And sometimes it's so unmooring or scary to think about this. Could it literally be in our bodies and... There could be somebody else that does it. And so when I see stuff like that, I have to step back to your point of like, there are obviously different views of the world and where it came from and who's in charge and does God exist or does he not? And mm -hmm. for the kind of people who like that or who think there's no God, there's no other higher power that I'm accountable to. It is eat, drink and be merry, accumulate as much wealth and power as you can. And, and if you can find a way to the fountain of youth and, keep your life going beyond you, or you could marry yourself with robots. Why not? There's nothing. It, that's their yeah. worldview. And as foreign as it is to some of us to think that some people think like that, mm -hmm. or that their view of utopia is one master race and one elite group of people that can tell the rest of us peons what to do. As foreign as that feels, some people do think like that. Right. And they tend to find each other. And some of them have money. And, and so if you give Klaus Schwab's 50 years leading the World Health Economic Forum, guy came out of Nazi Germany in the eugenics background, and you think, huh, I wonder if, if it's 50 years of practice, if he could get good at building a tribe of people and selling a vision for what he thinks the world should be. And maybe all these different technologies, maybe some of the people in those companies think the same way, and we could leverage each other and work with each other, and we could create this massive transhumanist, they, they just had an annual conference in October in Spain. Like, look it up. We're not making it up. Their agenda is out in the open. They're telling us what they're trying to do. And we can say, eh, you can't pull it off. But it seems to me more like they're flipping us the bird and saying, stop us if you can. Um, we have the microphone, we have the money, and we figured out the technology. And we're going to try to force this agenda on society and good luck. And let's just uh, see who wins. And how, how are these people not arrested for crimes against humanity and crimes well, against children at this point? I mean, there's, there's rumors that there's things in the work, but it can't come fast enough. Cause it's just like, they're, they're not playing for our side and our side doesn't have to be my perspective. My side is just humanity at large, right? Mm -hmm. They're not, they're not, you know, they're not helping. They're actually doing all these things that um, are impacting future generations, right? And and the world that we live in and the earth itself. I mean, uh, how we start to get more... So I, and this is a conversation I, I'm looking forward to having with you uh, 
you know, as you unfold your programs and stuff is this idea of sovereignty. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we talk a lot in this, in my work with men, you know, we talk about the archetypes uh, Mm -hmm. and we, we work with five mainly it's a warrior, king, lover, magician, and the archetypal hero. And I've been talking more and more to the men about that. The, the king, the archetypal king is the most weak that I can see in men. And the reason for that is that we have, our sovereignty has gotten flabby. We've given power over to a king that is, does not share a love of the earth or a love of people. We've given our power over to people like Klaus Schwab and Henry Kissinger, et cetera, et cetera, saying, well, they're going to run things. Well, they've run things into the ground. They're trying to, to depopulate the, the planet. Um, there's all the things you and I just touched on. It seems to me the edge of our learning and our emergence as humanity and as men, there's a, there's a woman part of as well, the sovereign, the, the archetypal mm-hmm. queen is the emergence of sovereignty in women that we need to start to grow our own sovereignty on a micro level, but also on a tribal level, because we, the people have not been running things that has mm-hmm. been these globalist sociopaths that are, you know, they might not even they may not even be human. I don't know. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, you know, stuff around hybrids and stuff like that. I don't know about that. I, but I'm one thing I'm clear on is they do not share our values nor our vision of where we're going. And mm-hmm. their vision is, is, is pumped out very dark, uh, dystopian, uh, you know, we're in service to the AI and serve, you know, everything about humanity is being sort of genetically re-modified, via these quote-unquote vaccines or or chem, whatever you want to say, however their methodology is. But when are we going to get enough sovereignty and collective sovereignty? When is the archetypal king in men going to awaken enough where we say, this is not, gonna, this is not going down the way you think it is, uh, a globalist? We are awakened. We, we, are a lot, we have a lot more people than you think we do, um, or there's a lot more of us and we're tired of it, and we're going to mm-hmm. start. We're going to start taking down the systems in different ways. We're going to start pulling. I I don't know what the plan is, um, but there needs to be kind of a. Uh, there's an awakening happening because it's funny that you were mentioning. Hey, my next program. I, I'm a health coach. Is around sovereignty, and I'm in people conversations with people all the time around sovereignty, and people are doing these programs locally or digitally on online, and I think that's the edge. I think that's our that's our uh, uh, that's our leverage point. That's what gets us to where we can create some new systems. Um, and it's what I'm most excited about. And it's the hardest work, frankly, to do uh, because it feels like we're really going against the way we've been conditioned by the media or even by public education um, that has kind of taught us, hey, just take it sitting down literally and figuratively and metaphorically. Take it just sitting down. We're going to tell you what you need to know. This is a different, this is the counter to that, which says, no, 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 no. I have inner knowing. I'm connected to God or the divine. Um, I have people that feel the way I do. We have strength in numbers and, uh, and there's an awakening happening and how do we continue to support one another in that? I know that's a big, long rant for you, Christian, but (laughs) yeah, yeah, that's it. No, but it's, it's a good one. And you, I guess you teed me up. So as you were talking, there's basically three things that came to mind or three areas where I find a lot of hope and Mm -hmm. where I, I think this house of cards they have built falls. Mm -hmm. And um, so I guess the first one I'd say is in in terms of how do we win? How do we organize? the, The first thing is, is recognizing the Achilles heel 
um, of, of this agenda or these companies. And so the person or, or a couple of people I'm most interested to follow everything they do recently are Dr. David Martin mm-hmm. and Catherine Austin Fitz. They tend to be exposing the criminality of what we're experiencing greater than anyone else. So the, a quick version of, of the strategy that I see that as, is the most effective is, is the crimes against humanity case that is blindly obvious um, is contained in the Fauci dossier by David Martin and the push that everyone in humanity, everyone in the U.S. can take to their attorneys general and say and just bombard them and demand that they take this case against Fauci. We have all of the criminal codes. We have all of the patent records. We have everything we need to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is a criminal conspiracy and it is massive crimes against humanity hmm. racketeering at the highest levels. We have the case to do that. And we just need one brave attorney general or a group of them to get together to feel protected, to feel safe and have the will of the people behind them. And we will take down this house of cards. Mm. The other one is to, to be able to recognize that in the Pfizer document itself, their annual report, it, it they show that there are they they use their, their own language is they refer to these shots as gene therapy. They don't even call them vaccines. Mm. If they call them gene therapy, then we can hold them to that standard because gene therapy, getting chemo for a cancer I might get someday, isn't a vaccine. Mm. That is a completely, no one would sign up for gene therapy to combat a virus. When If, if it, someone is brave enough to take that case to court and mm. to prove that what they're forcing us to or hoping to force us to inject into ourselves is gene therapy, not a vaccine, they lose 100% of their liability protection and the whole house of cards goes down. Wow. So for any lawyers out there listening that would be willing to, to look into that, look into the work of David Martin, I can help you get find out more about that if you want. But And the rest of us citizens, you bang the drum of getting your attorney general to go take this course, you know, this case against Fauci and Peter Daszak and Ralph Barrick, and this house of cards crumbles. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be that if you're looking for a place to aim yourself, stop arguing about masks and social distancing. Yep. And is it natural immunity or is it herd immunity? Stop. Like the, the battle is that if we win that, we win. Yep. The other thing I'd say is um, a place I find hope is just in the ability to reclaim sovereignty. That to mm-hmm. here's the deal: we don't we just make irrelevant the systems they have built for us. We make irrelevant the prison they are trying to build to put us in. And you do that by reclaiming sovereignty over your food and over your kids' education and over where you find work and you find community. And if and when the economy crashes or the world melts down and you have community, we've just rebuilt society from the ground up. We have a whole different model. It's just made what they're doing totally irrelevant. So why not take a concentrated push and say, what would it look like to be more sovereign with my food? What would it look like to be more sovereign with my job and my kids' mm. education and where mm-hmm. I get my information? And to just not, if all of us get off Facebook and CNN, they just go away. They're done. There's nothing yeah. left for them to do. And it's so empowering to focus on what you can control and on building the life you want and just turning off the noise. If we turn the, all of us turn the news off tomorrow and just went back to life, we would probably go back to a fairly civil society because they're not intentionally agitating us all day. So that'd be the second one. The third one would just be, especially for people who have uh, been afraid of COVID going around, who have been, especially if you've had the jab and you're starting to realize, shoot, what did I do to myself? And what's the long-term implications of this? Or is there graphene oxide? Is the spike protein going to cause problems? Am I going to clot and all the other problems? 
I, I see the direness of this or the potential for depopulation. And I, I also look back just recently been studying kind of the history of even electricity and where that came from and the interesting diseases that came upon us when we started inventing new things. And Mm. there's fascinating correlations between when we introduce something new to the human experience that it's never experienced. There's a period of adapting and a period of recalibration. And yes, some people don't do so well in that recalibration, but I I, I legitimately don't, I think there's going to be a lot of people who suffer harm and death from these shots Mm -hmm. and it will get darker before it gets better. But I also believe in the ability of the human body to adapt. I believe it was created fantastically well, the hubris that we could inject something that would be smarter than our natural immunity or that we could account for every variable. It's just hysterical to think that we are so smart that we can inject this one thing and then everything will come back online. It's just ridiculous. So know that the human body is so intelligent and yes, there will be, um, disease and carnage and problems with it, but it doesn't have to, I don't think it's going to take down the human race and that we're all going to be screwed. I really think plug into people who are already looking for solutions, plug into if, has there ever been a better time to focus on your health? Mm -hmm. If you don't have sovereignty with the body that you have, the rest of life's not going to be much fun, but if you can empower it, if you can believe in it, if you can find the people who are already working to figure out how to treat people who are injured by these are people who have succumbed to the jab. Mm-hmm. My goodness, there's so much hope to be found in that. And so those are the three things to me that like I, my focus of effort is on those three and that's it. So it. yeah, be hopeful because we, the good guys do win this every tyranny, every tyrant and dictator and wannabe God in history has always died. These guys, Fauci and Klaus Schwab are both 80 years old. These dinosaurs yeah. are eventually going to be gone. Yeah, I love your uplifting narrative. I share that with you. You know, and I, and I, I was reading uh, Cliff High. I don't know if you ever watch his videos. He's he does predictive linguistic programming. Really great, brilliant guy. But you know, he was saying that he really thinks there's going to be a big die-off starting in 2022 from the jabs. And there's a part of me it's so horrific to think about that I don't mm-hmm. even want to go there. But there's also a part of me that's like, you know what? I don't know if he's got it totally right. I think there's going to be some big health issues because basically we are the clinical trials. They didn't do mm-hmm. clinical trials on this. And so humanity right now is clinical trials to see how how we react in the next three to five years. Um, but I think to your point that we have brilliant natural resources. Our, our biological body is amazing. And I also think there's going to be as if it's true that the vac, the quote unquote vaccine has been something that's made to not help us and that it's actually doing a lot of harm, I think you're going to start seeing people like you, um, all these naturopathic doctors that are that have all these different remedies and, and protocols to help get our immune systems back up collectively because um, I, people will be looking for answers. It's not just going to be like, uh-oh, I, I don't feel so good when I act, something's going on. People, I think there's going to be processes, um, uh, uh, health experts that suddenly become very, very in demand as, uh, you know, hopefully the, the death counts will not be super high from the vaccines. I, I fear it will, but I, I also am setting that aside. It's like, okay, that's just your fear talking. Um, and there's a lot of people already pointing to, you know, there's, there's naturopathic remedies. There's, there's things like ivermectin. And I think, I think there'll be things developed to help people 
detox from however jabs. Hopefully people that are getting the jab and are starting to question it will stop putting those things in their body for now as we see what happens with the first one or two that they got. And that I think things are going to get developed where people will be able to take this over the course of six months and help their natural immunity and their natural immune system sort of restore its sovereignty and its strength. That's my Mm -hmm. hope anyways. Yeah, I really do think nature wins this. I think the human body wins this. I think there's just like any era of history, there are people that want to have control and power and can't get enough of it and they'll do things this big. But I also think you just, the human body will find a way and we will overcome this. And those of us who are in the lifeboat already, it's our job to go pull as many people in as, as we can towel them off, love on them. And when they're ready, get in the fight and help us find some more. Like this is, it's going to be a fight. It will be a bumpy ride the next, yep. I would imagine two or three years. Yep, yep. But I, I do believe we win this. Love it. Well, Christian, thanks so much for coming on Base Camp for Men. I just met you today and I just love this conversation. I look forward to uh, having you back on as you get your sovereignty uh, project launched. Do you have any creative projects, any programs, anything like that, that you'd like our listeners to know about today? Yeah, I mean, I guess to, to you, you just mentioned it. We in the upcoming year, early 2022, we plan to launch what we're calling the Sovereignty Project, which will be about a year-long program of just plugging into a, an intentional dive of learning and then action and repeating that pattern probably about six times throughout that year of reclaiming sovereignty in very specific areas of life, so that we can hit the end of 2022 and say, "I'm, I'm outside of your control grid. I have, I have." secured um you know as much as we can in the world the, yeah. the ability to just be have a sense of agency over my life and to build the most precious community i have ever experienced in my life that's really what we're going to be about in 2022 but um you know all of our current clients will be part of that and so if anybody's interested just in health coaching and having somebody um really do a deep dive into where is, is poor health coming from and what does it mean for you to be healthy and what's the context of the life and the personality and all that you have related to your health. That's part of that puzzle. Um, that's what we do all day. Pretty much every day is, um, coach people to better health. So you can find out about that at truewholehuman.com. Uh, that's also where we'll, if you've subscribed to our blog, which is deconstructingconventional.com, uh, any one of those blog posts, you can put your name in there and we will keep you updated when we are ready to launch the sovereignty project next year. And, uh, in the meantime, you can check out our health coaching uh, blog, or we have a quiz on there to help you know yourself a little better and see some of the recurring themes that have kept you stuck where you've been on that weight loss roller coaster or medical merry-go-round and just haven't been able to get off. We'll help you figure that out. Love it. Beautiful. Looking forward to the Sovereignty Project. Christian, thanks so much for coming on Basecamp for Men and sharing your wisdom and your insights. It was absolutely awesome to talk to you today. And I wish you well and have a happy holiday season with you and your family. And uh, we'll talk to you again in 2022. All right. Thanks so much, Tony. It's been fun. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I learned a lot by talking with Christian, as I'm sure you could tell. And I'm really looking forward to his sovereignty project in 2022, so we'll keep tabs on that. His excellent writing and content can be found at his website, www.truewholehuman.com, or his blog, www.deconstructingconventional.com. And lastly, if you find Basecamp for Men to be a valuable resource on your hero's journey, please consider a small monthly donation at www.basecamp-podcast.com. Thank you, listeners. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Men, good luck in all your endeavors and good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac, and you're listening to Base Camp for Men.